if you've fallen into the same sin over and over again, don't let shaitan cause you to draw a line between you and Allah where you feel like out of shame, you can no longer return to your Lord. Allah is a witness to your weaknesses. He's a witness to your struggles. There are times where we really sincerely feel like we want to part ways from whatever things that we've done, but we are weak to that. And even in those struggles and in those moments of repentance, when it's sincere and sweet, Allah subhanahu wa loves us. So to continue to nurture that relationship and to never break from Allah because of the sin. You want sincerely to get out of it, but you're drowning You don't, or you've lost the will to swim. Your muscles are like giving out. But if you have someone who knows about what's going on with you, they can be your lifeline. They can throw you that raft that you can get out of it. We cannot fall into despair. We can never become hopeless. We can never think that we're so far beyond Allah's mercy because of our sins. This is actually wrong to think that way because you're putting a limit on God's rahmah. Is it possible that we can be doing something to block or delay our blessings in this dunya? You're listening to Unsween and Unfilter the Podcast, episode 11 of season 3. I pray that you are having a great start to your Ramadan. My heart is constantly yearning for this beautiful time of the year. Okay, maybe my stomach is also thanking me right now because it's filled to the brim with atayif and ma'mul. But you know what I mean. In today's episode, I am grateful for the chance to reintroduce you to one of my absolute favorite spiritual counselors, and that is Sister Husay Mujaddidi. And in this conversation, we explore the possibility of a link between our sins, hardships, and blessings. Do you ever find yourself questioning if your hardships are a result of the sins you're committing? If these hardships are a punishment we have to face because of what we've done? I used to find myself falling in despair knowing that the sins I had committed outside of Ramadan still found a way to follow me into this blessed month. These sins that had become habitual were also very confronting. What I mean by that is, they were a realization that these bad habits were due to my nafs and not the shaitan influencing me. But we have to realize that we were created weak. We were created to be imperfect, and it's a reminder that allows me to work on myself rather than drown in shame and guilt. In today's episode, Sister Husay beautifully delves into this question as well as our relationship with Allah. She explains how it's a rahmah to be tested and to be cleansed of our sins through these very same tribulations. I once read that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants a certain level of jannah for someone, and when their good deeds alone can't get them there, He gives them hardship. And sometimes hardship also comes in the form of a closed door. But if you look a little bit more closely, you would realize that it's truly an open door. A redirection that was protection written for you by Allah. Because who knows what harmful situation was lying behind that closed door. You know what else is so beautiful to me? That each passing day is taking you further away from what wasn't meant to be. And each coming day is bringing you closer to what Allah has intended to be yours. And that every hardship that I face, Allah has written for me to overcome each and every one of these trials. In this discussion, we also cover the concept of having a close relationship with Allah, not only publicly, but privately, and how it's important that we do not take advantage of Allah's forgiveness and mercy, but rather how can we be more sincere and intentional in everything that we do daily. May Allah reward Sister Husay for giving us a better understanding of our faith and for leading such fruitful conversations. May you all have a blessed Ramadan, inshallah. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sister Hussai. It's honestly always a pleasure to have you on. Of course, you're a returning guest. If I could have you on every month, that would be amazing just for you to come on and drop some gems and knowledge. I would love for that. But for the month of Ramadan, I really want us to talk about certain things and certain questions that I've been hearing online in regards to our hardships and our sins and how they're connected alongside our blessings. And are we doing something in this dunya that might be blocking or delaying our blessings? There's so much to cover, but I would love for you to reintroduce yourself because I I know plenty of people know who you are, mashallah, but just in case for anyone that is randomly living under a rock and they don't know who you are, I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself and we can get right into it, inshallah. First of all, Jazakallah khair. Thank you, Dunya, for that very gracious welcome and introduction. Uh, alhamdulillah, it's always an honor and pleasure to be in your company. For those who don't know me, I am an educator, a public speaker, an author. I do content creation on Instagram now. I used to be very active on Facebook and now also on Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> alhamdulillah, where Dunya and I have been having a lot of very fruitful conversations, mashallah. So, uh, and I'm a mother of two. I live inshallah. here in the San Francisco Bay Area, alhamdulillah. 
Thank you so much. And speaking of Clubhouse, mashallah, the rooms that you host, so many people benefit from this. And it's it's incredible to have the women in our community extend themselves as a resource. So I genuinely want to thank you, honestly, because I, I know sometimes we often spread ourselves too thin, but at the end of that stick is being able to help our community too, in a way, subhanAllah. But like you said, in those Clubhouse rooms, I, I'm learning so much from you. And when we navigate these social media apps, of course, there's cons with them, but subhanAllah, it's also, it's, it's the beauty of being able to find your place in these apps where you seek people and seek their knowledge and you benefit from these apps. And Clubhouse has been one of those things where it was like, as soon as I got on there, I was kind of unsure of how I'm going to kind of navigate this app. What what am I going to do? Am I going to be wasting more hours on the internet or am I going to benefit from this? And yes, rooms that you host and, and the other incredible female scholars as well as on this podcast, I've just been learning so much. And in regards to this Ramadan, I feel like we're still kind of technically in, in the pandemic. We really are. And I think we're kind of still figuring out how to navigate spending this Ramadan as well as understanding that we are in a pandemic. And some of us feel isolated still. Some of us feel very lonely. And some of us are also kind of forced to reckon with some truths. And one of them being, and I, I think it's so interesting, is this concept of, you know, sometimes we think that if we don't sin, if we're good Muslims, we will not be tested. And sometimes we also kind of think that, oh, I'm being tested because I'm I'm just a horrible person and Allah is just angry with me. I really want to delve into this topic and I want to know, is there a link between the hardships that we're facing and the sins that we're unfortunately committing? How can we tell if Allah is testing us through our hardships to bring us closer to Him versus actually going through tribulations because of the sins we are choosing to take part in? Uh, that's an excellent question, Jazakallah khairan. And I agree with you, especially since the pandemic has started, this question has surfaced in several conversations I've been a part of. And I think, you know, most of what I've also heard from the scholars explain is that no human being can really determine necessarily what is happening. But it, the reaction that we have really is telling, right? Uh, because we do have hadith, for example, where the Prophet said that the servant will continue to be tried until he is left walking upon the earth without any sin. So this idea idea that we will be tested, right? We're going to be tested and we're being purified. And that purification process, yes, is proportionate to the sins that we accumulate. If your perspective is that that's a punishment, then, you know, you're you're going to, that's how you're going to receive it. But if you truly understand that that's a cleansing, right, that it's actually a rahma, uh, then you will respond accordingly, which is to be patient, right? So the way that we receive our tribulations is indicative of whether or not we receive it as what it is, which is grace, which is mercy which is compassion, which is a purification, or we see it as a punishment. And then it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, because once you're in that negative face, right, you oftentimes people will then become distant from Allah. So if you turn from God, uh, this is a, considered a huge tribulation. And it would be certainly by some scholars, they would say that is a punishment, because if you're being tested in the dunya, it's a blessing. But as soon as you're tested in your faith, this is the worst of all types of tests. So that's why the scholars would say, say, Alhamdulillah, if any, if you receive any tribulations, but it's in your dunya, it's in worldly matters, it's in material things, right? Uh, relationships, we're tested with f- money, we're tested with so many different things, but those things or health, they're in your life, you're in your dunya. But if you're tested in your faith, this is a crisis. And this is what we have to make toba from because that is uh, Allah's, you know, he's the one who guides and misguides. So if he's turning from you, then clearly that would be a punishment. Wow, subhanAllah. That was powerful because it reminded me of something that I brought up on the podcast before, something that I came across because even on Clubhouse, we've all shared the traumas that we faced before in our lives. And sometimes, yes, these traumas can be very, they can truly test your faith. And it's unfortunate. You feel a little bit ashamed to say that, but again, you all, you're also not alone in this. And it's it's how you come out of out of these situations and out of these tests when you are being tested um, in regards to your faith. But something along the lines is like, how do you know if a hardship is meant to be a punishment? And just like you said, did it bring you closer to God? this hardship or did it steer you away from God? And if it steered you away, then that was a punishment. And and I said this also before, your relationship with God, that distance isn't created overnight. This happens over time. And I think sometimes we kind of, you know, I've struggled with this recently. I feel like we're just in such a fast paced world, but yeah, it's like Allah every day gifts me with 24 hours. It's how I use these 24 hours. He doesn't give me a second less and a second more each day. It's the same 24 hours, but it's how I utilize these hours. And lately I've just been feeling like I am not 
connecting with God the way I would love to be connected. Is it because I am way too connected online and not disconnecting? And that's what it is. I, I'm trying to get to the root of it. And I think I know why. I think it's just like sometimes we also feel like we have, when we have these conversations with God, in a way, you're also confronting yourself. Yes, you're having a conversation with Allah, but subhanAllah, in, in that same breath, you're also being confronted with truths about you. And I think, you know, it's time that we sit down with these truths and we stop running away from who we truly are. And we do need to linger a little bit more with Allah. I mean, He's the one that is granting you this day and He's giving you a purpose. You're not waking up because of you. You're waking up because of your Creator choosing to wake you up. But I, I also want to go back to this thought of, you know, our relationship with Allah shouldn't be transactional. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've I had this just concept of, oh, if I pray, if I fast, if I'm kind to my parents, I'm going to have an easy life. Allah's going to love me. But that's that's not how we're really meant to live in this dunya. What are, what are your idea and your thoughts behind this? Because I think that's how it is. People feel like if they do X or A through Z, that Allah will be pleased with them and that's it. That's their life. That's their dunya. They're going to pass the test and move on to the akhirah. Right. Alhamdulillah. I'm so glad you asked that question and everything you just said in terms of, you know, being more introspective and really thinking about your relationship with Allah, your use of time, all those things are so important. But as far as this idea of, yes, having this relationship where you think that if I do, uh, you know, kind of uh, follow this script that I'm going to have everything I want in life and it's just going to go go seamlessly is something that we tell ourselves. Of course, we all, you know, live in these ideals sometimes and our society doesn't really help because it kind of creates this utopian fantasy, right? Like, we can we can have whatever we want right think of the luxuries and the experiences we have in this life from a click of a button we can get anything right instant gratification is so part of our normal that we may uh, project that even in our spiritual relationship but yes absolutely we have to look to the quran the stories of the prophets and realize that's not how it goes because the best of human beings are the prophets and when you see what they endured it doesn't quite fit that narrative they were all tested in their various ways and of course the prophet was tested more than uh, most people people in general, right? And most of the prophets, you would see his tests were truly uh, in, incredible. I mean, subhanAllah, that's why, you know, in my talks, I always tell people, I we, I get it. We, we all have personal things that we go through and some people are heavily tested, but doing that sort of compare and contrast process will help you to realize that this is literally the design of the dunya is to test everybody. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that he tests those he loves most. So those he loves the most are actually tested more. So it's actually a sign, inshallah, of your near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you're tested but I think it is important also to just give a more comprehensive like perspective about different states that people may find themselves in this world and one of my favorite uh, stories or interactions is to refer to Ibn Atta'illah who was a great scholar he once met a sheikh uh, named uh, Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi and he basically went to him with this uh, he was in a way venting right he, he told him he said I have this weight on my shoulders it's very difficult for me to be in this world and this great sheikh uh, he he told him, I'll tell you something. And if you understand it and apply it, it will free you from this. And he basically went on to explain to him that there are four different states that every single person can find themselves in. And we all, you know, we all will fall under one of these four. And so the first one is that if you are in a state of tribulation, this is what we're talking about, right? Being tested heavily, that the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in that test is to see how you respond to that test, right? So there's an expectation there. And the expectation is that you show what we would call sabrun jameel, right? Beautiful patience. So that's the appropriate response of someone who's in tribulation. And so if you, that's your state, that's what Allah is seeking from you. Now, if you're in a state of blessing or na'mah, the response that Allah subhanahu wa is looking from you is gratitude. Are you grateful for uh, the blessings of Allah? Or have you gotten to that point where sometimes we, we do this, we actually become more distant because we're so distracted by all of our blessings that we we may not pray or we may think, hey, I've, things are going so well, I don't need to pray, right? And this is a delusion, right, of the nafs, and shaitan can certainly lead one to think that. So that's the appropriate response if you're in gratitude. Then the third is obedience. So if you're in obedience, the appropriate response that Allah is seeking from you is, are you humble? Do you have humility to know that Allah is the reason why you're guided? You know, it's not because you've done all these prayers and you've, you know, worked so hard and, and you made a hajj and you wear hijab or you do this and that. That's not why you're guided. It's literally a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you have to give 
credit where it's due and he can take it away at any time. So don't get arrogant. Don't get self-righteous. Don't start looking down on people. That's the appropriate response. And then the fourth state is disobedience. So if you're in disobedience, Allah has, or is not guiding you and you are in sin and you're heedless and you're just totally away from Allah, he's looking to see whether or not you're going to wake up and respond in tawbah and make amends and try to fix your wrongs. And that's why you have life. So you have, we all have existence in one of these four states and some people can be in more than one, right? You can be in tribulation, but also in obedience, or you can be in tribulation and disobedience. So then you have to really think, yeah, maybe I've got problems here, right? I've got major dilemmas and, 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 and tribulations, but I'm also not praying. I'm not fasting. I'm not giving zakat. Maybe there's a relationship there, right? Or you could be in netma and you're in obedience. So that would be ideal, right? That this is what we would all want, that we are both in blessing and we're also in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And are we responding accordingly? Because there's some people who are in blessing, as I said, but they are not in obedience. But if you're in obedience, are you in blessing with gratitude and humility? Or is, is there a, a relationship there that you need to work on? And then you could also be in blessing, but in disobedience, right? Which is very dangerous because some people, this is uh, what we call istidraj, which is a very uh, scary uh, concept where some people, they equate their success with the fact that they think God is so happy with them when in fact they are in a state of disobedience. They're not praying, they're not fasting. And yet they'll just look at, oh, I'm materially so successful or I've, you know, I'm invited by all these wonderful people and I get, oh, you know, like I, I have my, my circles are so prominent. And th- so they assume that because of the status or the followers now, right? Like on social media, a lot of people fall into that trap of like, oh, I have so many people following me that I must be something special or God must love me. When in fact, that's, you know, hello, let's pay attention. If you're not obeying God, that's clearly an, an issue, right? So these are the four states that every single person is, is in and you have to respond accordingly. And that's why we have life. That's what life is for. Thank you so much, Sister Hasai, for that. Honestly, it, it really, really answered my first question about like our hardships and our sins connected. But it also reminded me of the fact that like SubhanAllah, we're going to talk about, you know, how it's not just us giving ourselves a pat on the back. Things are unfolding for us is because of Allah. Allah is the reason why certain things are being unfolded. But back to our blessings, I think we often forget that just because something comes in a, wrapped up in a bow and it's beautiful and it's shiny and let's just say they're materialistic items, it does not mean that those blessings are not a test in themselves. Allah sometimes wraps our test in that feel as if it is a present. And it is, it truly is. But you can allow your blessing to bring you either closer to Allah or to distance you from Allah. And this is a blessing. It's not even a trial or a hardship or it's a blessing. And I've seen that. I've seen people who have all these worldly things, every all the money, all the riches, yet they do not treat their family right. Yet they forget to thank Allah for this. And little do they know that these riches that they're holding on to is allowing them to let go of their relationship with Allah. You know, it, it happens. This happens. So Subhanallah, it gives me chills when I think about that. Like I look at the blessings in my life and it's like, you know, even just the concept of waking up each morning and you wake up with certain things that you didn't even thank God for the night before or the day before or whatever it may be. And it's like, who gives you the right to these blessings but Allah, subhanAllah. So it's it's just something that I have to constantly remind myself. But truly, blessings are also a test. They're just wrapped a little bit differently. And there, there, I mean, it's verses in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, right, in Surah Al-Anbiya and Surah Al-A'raf, He actually says what you just said, that we will test you with evil and with good as a trial, right? And to us, you'll be returned. And then we tried them both with good and evil that they might return. So these two ayahs are proof of exactly what you said, that don't just assume that tests come in the form of hardships. You could be tested with wealth. You could be tested with beauty. You could be tested with knowledge. And that's why the hadith of the three men who on the day of judgment will be raised and they'll be asked about the knowledge that they taught with the money that they gave with and the fact that they were martyred, right? Who did they do it for? And they will all claim it was for the sake of Allah, but Allah will say, actually, no, you taught because you wanted to be known, right? You wanted to have that reputation. You gave wealth for the reputation and you gave, you died for the sake of, you know, yourself. You wanted that reputation. It wasn't for God. So the optics may look one way, but the reality is another. So it really has to come down to the intentions and the heart. SubhanAllah. That's exactly like, that's why sometimes I struggle with this platform. Mashallah, it grew and it grew naturally and organically, but I, I still struggle because it's like, I love the messages that I receive. I love the fact that I get to connect with incredible women like yourself, Sister Hussai. But it's also, I also have to, from time to time, like really reflect on my intention and reset my intentions for this because it can get to your head really quickly. And you have to realize, I, I have to realize myself that I'm just a medium. I'm the person who I'm able to connect incredible guests with incredible listeners. And, and yes, you should 
should be able to like pat yourself on the back here and there, but also just remind yourself why you're doing this and who is giving you the ability to do this. And I think that's what I constantly do. So I feel like I'm always overwhelming the listeners and the followers on here. Like, oh my God, you guys, I'm going through another social media crisis. But I think it's also a good thing. It's also a good thing to be able to wake yourself up in this dunya and and really like realize what your intentions are always. Going back to hardships, I think this is something that we've all struggled with. And somebody asked this on Clubhouse and I thought it was so profound because I think it's something that we, I I don't want to say we're too shameful to admit, but sometimes we are. It's the fact of going to Allah and seeking his forgiveness, you know, repenting for a certain sin, but in your heart, unfortunately, you know somehow, somewhere you're going to commit this sin again. It could be a small sin. It could be a, a large sin, a huge sin. How do we go about that? Because I think a lot of times that's kind of what defers us from wanting to seek forgiveness from Allah because we know somehow, some way that we're going to commit the sin. And it, it's a, it's such a hard truth to even admit to, but it happens. It really does. I mean, we're only human. We're flawed. But in this dunya, we want to try to better ourselves and to be better Muslimin and whatnot. But what is your thought process on that? And what would you tell somebody who is basically, yeah, not seeking forgiveness because they feel like I'm hypocritical. I'm going to do this again. Right. Well, that that's self-awareness, which you have to also, you know, I feel like if someone's that self-aware where they know where they are, it's it's something that we should encourage to say, okay, let's let's build on that. You know, you're not delusional. Delusion is far worse, right? So I always think that if you know yourself and you know, like, I'm weak, uh, like there's people who don't do certain things, but they'll never try to, you know, uh, gloss over, like if they don't pray, for example, they're not going to distance their, their uh, themselves from the act by saying that, you know, like questioning whether or not prayer is valid or they really need to pray, right? They'll actually accept that they are accountable, right? So self-accountability is really important. But aside from that, I think just realizing that to leave yourself to your own devices is is really not our tradition. We acknowledge that we are weak and that shaitan, you know, inspires us. And so to really understand that that's going to take a plan and you have to have a plan of action. If, you, if you're just going to say, you know, uh, this is who I am and I, you know, I'm, I default to the sin or I'm weak to the sin without some plan to try to get yourself out of that, then it's not a sincere toba, right? Which is why there's requirements for toba, which are that you acknowledge what you do is wrong, you make toba, you promise not to do it again, and you don't do it again. Those are the four criteria of a sincere toba. And so how can you get there if you are going to leave yourself to yourself? Which is why we have to have uh, suhba, we have to have people to help us when we're drowning in sin or so sin that we're weak to, we have to have those lifelines out there. And most people, because this is again one of the tricks of shaitan they just assume that they'll get over it on themselves kind of like an addict you know if you have ever dealt with any type of an addict they always think i'll get over it on my own but as they say you know the the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again expecting different results right so we have to really see ourselves in that way if you've fallen in the same behavior over and over and over again and you think that you have the willpower and strength to somehow magically uh, wake up from that that's delusion and so what you have to do is say if you're truly sincere in that sin, then hold yourself accountable and then have a plan of action. Go and seek advice from someone who can help you. Um, Remove yourself from the people. Maybe there's an environmental issue here, right? Because there's some people who who are we're weak to. It's literally a human being. It's another, It could be another person. It could be a friend. It could be a, a, someone who's not a friend and you're in a relationship with them that is not appropriate and you allow yourself, oh, we're platonic, you know, let's just be real. That's certainly the, the case for some people or environments where if you have, let's say, a predilection or a weakness to certain lifestyle, you know, things where it's whether it's with the opposite gender or maybe substance use, you know, people, of everybody around you is smoking weed and you're like, oh, I'll just go hang out and I won't touch it. It's likely not going to happen if you have a history of smoking weed, right? Because you see everybody else doing it and you're like, mm, okay, fine. Just this one time I have a backache and you start making all these excuses. Exactly. For yourself. You ha- I think you just have to have honest conversations with yourself, know where you're at and then hold yourself accountable. So that's not just lip service. Oh, I feel bad. Astaghfirullah. If you've been doing that enough on the same issue, know that you're weak to yourself and you need support. This is exactly the time where you you should turn to someone who can say, listen, let's let's find a way out of this for you for real instead of it just being words. This reminded me of right now with your response. It's incredible. It reminded me of something that like I read online and honestly it touched me. It was like, well, it actually really gave me chills. It woke me up. It was like, you know, may Allah forgive us for the sins that we commit that we do not view as sins anymore, that we have normalized ourselves in this dunya. And so unfortunately, I think when we do live in the Western world, there's a lot of things that were, have been normalized and it's difficult. You're kind of between these two identities, but it's also, this is your faith. This is not 
not even just East versus West concepts here. This is your faith. And I think there's a lot of times where I catch myself where I feel like I'm normalizing something. It's like, no, clear cut. Like, I know that this is not okay. Like, honestly, it's just truly like, inshallah, Allah forgives us for for those moments. But going back to just repenting to Allah, I think for my idea with this, I, I feel like we should continue to repent until we're strong enough to overcome this sin. I think that's what it is. I, I think just knowing that is a sin, I think is a gift in itself because there are people that commit sins that don't even view them as sins that I just, what I just mentioned, but just knowing that it's a sin and understanding that you're weak and admitting that you're weak and seeking Allah in the process, I think is a beautiful thing. And I think sometimes we feel like we're burdening Allah. <laughs> That's not possible. I mean, this is our creator. He created everything in this dunya. There's no such thing as overburdening our creator. So I think we kind of, inshallah, Yarab, through this process, we can continue this relationship with Allah. And I think we should continue to repent until we're strong enough to overcome this sin. And I think um, we've all been there. So that's something we all struggle with. Yeah. And the, you know, the hadith that came to mind is that all of the son of Adam, we make mistakes and the best of those who make mistakes are the ones who return to Allah. Tawabin. So we have to remember that. And to echo what you just said, absolutely. If you've fallen into the same sin over and over again, don't let shaitan cause you to draw a line between you and Allah, where you feel like out of shame, you can no longer return to your Lord. Allah is a witness to your weaknesses. He's a witness to your struggles. And he, yes, there are times where we really sincerely feel like we want to part ways from whatever things that we've done, but we are weak to that. And even in those struggles and in those moments of repentance when it's sincere and sweet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us. So to continue to nurture that relationship and to never break from Allah because of the sin, right? The sin, and that's why it's, like I said, it's important to get help because sometimes it is, it's like you're, you want sincerely to get out of it, but you're drowning, you don't, or you've lost the will to swim. You know, you don't, your muscles are like giving out. But if you have someone there who knows about what's going on with you, they can be your lifeline. They can throw you that floater or whatever, you know, that, that you can raft that you can get out of it so you want to I think really just uh, like you said continue to make toba, never to think that you're so far gone that you're not even good enough anymore to return to Allah those are all from shaitan because remember Iblis comes from the word Ablasa despair Iblis is in despair and despair is haram we cannot fall into despair we can never become hopeless we can never think that we're so far beyond Allah's mercy because of our sins this is actually wrong to think that way because you're putting a limit on God's rahmah. Whereas if you see yourself as, you know what, I'm broken, I'm weak, Ya Allah, I've made this mistake, you know, and that's why the hadith about, you know, the man who killed 99 or the, the sins as far as the ocean or as if they reach the sky, all those are meant to encourage people to never give up the process of tawbah and to try to hold yourselves always uh, accountable, inshallah, as best as you can, but to surround yourself with good company because that's really the big, I think, uh, you know, the game changer, as they say, or the, what's going to really change things up is looking for those friends who can support you and hold you up when you are weak and you don't have the will. SubhanAllah. Thank you so much for that reminder, mashallah, because it's true, honestly, just knowing that difference between being sincere and being weak and knowing that connection and, and understanding like our pursuit of perfection shouldn't prevent us from continuously seeking Allah. But thank you for that reminder, because honestly, it's just it's things like this that we know, but sometimes we kind of forget these things and I don't know why. And, and it's true. It's like when we're committing this sin, we have no shame. But then when we want to seek Allah's guidance, we have the shame. But it's like Allah was there the entire time, the, the, the moment that you committed this sin to the moment that you are going back and forth if you want to seek repentance or not. Allah is always there with us. You know, transitioning into that conversation in regards to Allah, I, I feel like, you know, we expect unconditional love from our family, our friends, our loved ones. But yet, why is it when it comes to our relationship with Allah, it's very conditional? This is also a concept that I heard about mindfulness of Allah privately and publicly. Like, you know, we can hold these incredible public conversations about Allah and we can outwardly show even on our platforms that we're seeking Allah's guidance and this and that and whatever. But what is it that we're doing privately doesn't match what we're doing publicly. I also want to humanize people and let them know that like, it's okay that sometimes the public doesn't match the private, but how can we get there? How how can we be God conscious? But yeah, I would I would just love for us to be a bit more God conscious and how can we get to that point, um, especially in this month of Ramadan and inshallah continuing it thereafter. Yeah, excellent question again. And, you know, I've been doing a class on uh, Clubhouse called On the Foundations of the Spiritual Path by Sidi Ahmed Zarruq. And he talks about what is required for us to get on a spiritual path. The very first foundation he has is mindfulness of God in public and private. So this is really important concept. And it's it's about, you know, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you at all times. And no matter, you could hide in a closet and turn off all the lights and wear all black and throw 20 blankets on top of you. But you're 
you're never going to escape his knowledge or his sight, his hearing. And so once you become fully conscious that Allah is with you at all times and you have that awareness, then you start to realize the importance of being consistent, right? Because the Prophet, which is also so important to read his seerah, to see how he was, he taught us how to be consistent and consistently beautiful. And of course, like you said, there's intimate, you know, identities that we have with our friends and family and people that are, you know, in, in those intimate uh, circles. But for the most part, our, our objective as Muslims should be to match the two, right? The social identity with the private intimate identity, it should be to match that. And so how can I do that? I hold myself to a high uh, standard of, of excellence and behavior because I'm so aware that God's with me at all times, right? And so that I don't allow myself to kind of lose that awareness of Him where I think, oh, at certain times I can be less Muslim, you know, and other times I can kind of bring out my, my strong Muslim identity, but that, you know, you, you want to basically have that balance. And it does, it takes practice, but honestly, it comes back to what I said earlier. One of the biggest, you know, things that impact our behavior socially and even privately is the people that we surround ourselves with, right? Because if we're in companies of people who remind us of Allah, if we're getting that constant nurturing of the soul, the constant nurturing of the spiritual heart, because it needs it, just like you water plants, you need to give it life. And the heart, the, the life of the heart is the remembrance of Allah. So if you don't have mediums or those ways or those, you know, who, whether it's a person or you're listening to Quran or you're praying or you're listening to lectures, if you don't have those ways of, of getting that nourishment into the heart, then the heart starts starts to dry and harden and become stuck and, and, and difficult like a rock, right? So we want to constantly make it malleable. And the way we do that is by giving it that remembrance of Allah. So, you know, making sure that what we're consuming, whether it's online or whether we're watching content on television or film or music, that what we're taking into what we call the inroads to the heart, right? Because the heart has eight inroads. Those are your eyes, your ears, your your tongue, your private parts, your hands, your feet. Uh, these are inroads, your stomach. That that will affect your spiritual heart if you make sure that those inroads are always clear and they're bringing in good content then inshallah your heart will be uh, clear and you'll have that awareness of Allah but if you're taking in a lot of things that are not reminding you of God or surrounding yourself with people who, who actually at all remind you of God and do the opposite to pull you into the dunya where you're so distracted then it's going to be very difficult to have that awareness I think a simple exercise that I even started doing alongside, you know, social media conversations that have been helping, like I said, the clubhouse chat rooms and the rooms that you've been hosting, mashallah, it just continuously allows me to keep God on my mind. But something else is just such a simple exercise is just lingering with God before and after prayer. Even just, just start with after prayer. Like, I think we're so quick to reach for our phones. And this is something so simple. Just put your phone to the side and do some dhikr. Put your phone to the side and just have a quick conversation with Allah, honestly. And sometimes it's also grounding ourselves. Like, when I, like, I, I literally do this, like, one an hour where I sit down I'm like okay where am I what am I doing how do I feel and, and whatnot then it almost kind of grounds me and reminds me of where I am and allows me to kind of connect with Allah in that moment to so maybe like here I am I'm having lunch thank you Allah for this food on my table because it goes back to the idea of things don't just miraculously unfold for us everything happens to us and for us by the will of Allah and I think that's something that we have to constantly remind ourselves going back to this dunya and our blessings this is something that I've always wondered to myself is it possible for us to block or delay our own blessings. I know that everything is kind of already written for us. I know that if we continuously make dua, it could change our trajectory in our life and whatnot. But in regards to just what we are doing in this dunya, maybe we're committing sins or maybe we're not as grateful as we should be. Is it possible for it to be the reason why some blessings are not unfolding for us? Or is this just a concept that I just have in my mind and I'm overthinking here? That's a great question. I think that, again, the hadith that comes to mind is I'm in the opinion of my servant. And so we can... If you are not in a practice of gratitude, you do stifle yourself. You do block certain things, right? Because gratitude, as Allah subhanahu says, right? So what does that mean? That if you are more grateful, I will give you more. So if we're not practicing gratitude, then we are in a way compromising our own situation. We're compromising ourselves. We're blocking good from coming. So gratitude is the answer. And that's what you were just describing. This process of being aware, right? Muraqaba 
of, of contemplating and muhasaba, taking yourself into account, but also having contemplation, time to contemplate your reality, your moment, uh, what's going on in front of you and connecting the dots, right? Of like everything that I have right now is really does go back to Allah. That process is literally the process of gratitude. So it's such an essential part of our practice every day that in the absence of that, if we're not doing that, then diseases of the heart sprout, right? Where we become envious, we, we start to deny the blessings of Allah, which is one of the signs, which is one of the diseases of the heart, where you can't, you're oblivious to the blessings of God. You don't see them. You can't see them because you're blind. You're, you're worried about what you want, not what you already have. You're not grateful for what you have. You just keep focusing on more and more and more. So that is a way to absolutely stunt your uh, blessings to prevent them from coming because you're totally in a state of ingratitude. So to answer your question, yes, gratitude is the force uh, in addition to obedience. Obviously, you want to be doing what you're supposed to be doing because gratitude is three types. It's gratitude of the heart, of the tongue and of the, the limbs, right? So in order to be truly grateful, you can't just say, Alhamdulillah, oh, I'm so grateful to God. Show it, show it. Are you doing your wajib? Are you praying on time? Are you doing the things that God ple is pleased with on top of being gra grateful? So you want to show that. And if you make dua, absolutely, inshallah, you can, uh, because dua has that potential too, to to change, right? What's what your will is if, you, if Allah wills that for you. So those are all, uh, as they say, you know, the weapons of the believer. Be more grateful, practice gratitude in all of those ways and make dua actively and keep having a good opinion of Allah. Having the best opinion of Allah, will he will confirm that for you. Opinion of Allah is weak, then that's what you're going to see. So that right there to me is the answer. Just have the highest opinion of God and he will prove you right, inshallah. SubhanAllah, this reminds me of two points, what you just mentioned. Thank you for clarifying that. One of them being is, I think, you know, in regards to earlier when I was talking about like repenting to Allah and seeking his forgiveness, it's it's beautiful to have this wisdom and this knowledge of our creator and, and understanding how merciful he is and how forgiving he is. But to know this about our creator does not mean that we should take advantage of, of these traits of our creator. And I think sometimes like we should be able to show our love to Allah for his mercy, for his forgiveness. How can we show our, our love for him rather than actually continuously building upon our sins and then seeking forgiveness because our creator is all forgiving. No, how are you showing Allah that you're grateful for his mercy, grateful for his forgiveness? That's something that I think is really profound and very important. That's something that I've also tried to practice is like, how can I show my love towards my creator daily? What can I be doing? And even sometimes it's how you treat his creations is a way to say thank you to him and to show him how much you love him. And back to gratitude, I think this is also something that, like I said, the whole idea of being present and grounding yourself is even just like us right now, Hussein, talking. Just the, having that blessing of being able to communicate with one another, we should be grateful for that. Gratitude allows you to shine the light on the blessings that you already have, and that's how your blessings continuously multiply. Is when you're already looking at what you have, just like you said, what is it that you have that's right in front of you versus what is it that you don't have and that you want that maybe was is never going to be written for you. So here you are yearning for something that Allah knows for a fact he will never will it for you because obviously he is all-knowing and he knows what's best for you. So I think that's super important. Just even our listeners who are listening right now, the mere fact that you can listen, that you can tune in, that you can use your ears, subhanAllah, that is a huge blessing in itself that there are millions of people around the world that do not do not have that blessing. But for some reason, Allah said, you will have this blessing of being able to hear, to listen, to interact, to even have loved ones by your side. SubhanAllah, that's that's truly a blessing in itself. But, you know, I also want to ask another question in regards to our blessings being delayed or blocked. And this is in regards to the concept of our prayers. You know, I read somewhere that somebody said along the lines of like, if you delay your prayers, you're delaying your worldly affairs and your blessings. And I do want to put out a disclaimer. I've discussed this before on the podcast in regards to depression and anxiety affecting our ability to pray. So I do want to put this disclaimer out there. This is not meant towards those who, you know, suffer from depression or anxiety or any other illness that kind of prevents them from the act of praying. This is more so for those of us, including myself, who, yes, I do find myself delaying my prayers. And I'm wondering if this also affects, in a way, my blessings in this dunya. Sure. Great question, mashallah. I mean, I think when we, again, look at the purpose of our creation, right? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create us? Uh, he tells us, right, that he created man and jinn 
only to worship him. And we're also told that on the day of judgment, the very first thing that we're going to be asked about is in fact our prayers. So this right away should let us know that of the importance of prayer and that our objective again is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then everything else. The dunya is, is a place of credible opportunity. We get to, like you said, all these gifts we have, the gift of communication, the gift of sight, the gift of taste. Like I remember one of our teachers said, you know, Allah could have made our sustenance like rocks and pebbles, you know, or something really horrible, but he gave us flavors and all these different ways of tasting different, an abundance, cornucopia of food and so many different experiences, right, that we can have. So there's so much to benefit from this world, but all of those are what we call zina taya, right? They're beautifications of the world, but the purpose of our existence is to worship. So I always say that you have to get to that point where your prayers are uh, planned and life plan- is planned around your prayers. It's not the other way around where you plan your prayers around your life. That's not having the right understanding of your purpose. And that's where a lot of people start to suffer in their life. Because yes, if you're not going to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's an act of disobedience, right? And as we said before, the purpose, uh, or if you're in that state of disobedience, Allah is giving you life. He's giving you every single day a renewed opportunity to come back to Him. So if you're in that boat where you are aware, like, oh, I'm really weak in my prayers and I want to get there. Just remember, every single day you wake up, Allah is giving you another opportunity. Kind of like, you know, when you're playing video games and you you get life, you know, (laughs) you get life, right? And that life is like, it's more energy. It's more opportunity for you to prove yourself. So take those blessings blessings and then you know do what you need to do with them inshallah and you'll see this the tawfiq come inshallah but if you're going to continue to not pray and then expect good to happen it kind of again logically you want to think about that for a moment the very purpose of my creation is to worship god i'm not going to do that but then i expect all these good things to come my way it doesn't quite make sense right Subhanallah, that's such a perfect segue to the last point that I really wanted to make in regards to just our sincerity and our intentions. And you said something along the lines of this is before outside of this conversation, you said at times we are not nourishing our soul, we are feeding our nafs. And there's a huge difference between that. Maybe some of us can't tell the difference between that. But it just also goes back to the idea of what you just said in regards to just like repenting and, and you know, allowing us to have another day to right our wrongs. I feel like sometimes you don't, you, we have to really realize you don't have to keep going down this path of sins. That Allah, when he grants you a new day, or even just the next second of your life, he's granting you an opportunity to make this U-turn. And I think it's so profound that there is that ability to make that U-turn, that Allah gives us that chance because every day he's showing us that you are able to repent for your sins. And I'm also giving you another chance to be able to perform this U-turn. Can we talk about that and how like Allah grants you things because he loves you, not because he also has to. I mean, he is our creator. He does things for us out of love. So I think that's really important to kind of end this conversation on. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the entire existence is love. This is all an act of love. The fact that we were brought into existence and that we're made aware of Him, like the fact that we know who Allah subhanahu wa is, the fact that we're born into the Ummah of the Prophet right, that we know who the Prophet is, these are all acts of love and blessings because uh, again, Allah could have chosen, first of all, not to create us at all, could have given us a total different identity, a total different reality where maybe we would be held accountable in a different way, right? Again, judgment is His alone, but the fact that he's in so many ways facilitated us to get to him think about it. we're like on a fast track to Allah right other people they have to go through other things right they they have to learn about Islam like you, when I see converts I'm in such awe of them because I'm like wow Allah really loves you he took you from that place of darkness right and then on top of that the sacrifice of having to leave your former identity in many ways right not not entirely but yes there's going to be a departure right family may may not want to be your family anymore there are people certainly who lose family and friends right but people are so in love with Allah that they are willing to make that sacrifice. But that's a reality for a lot of people. And then those of us who are born into the faith, we have to seriously appreciate, wow, Allah has made this so easy for us. All that's expected of us is literally to take like the medicine that is our healing, right? Which is why I always look at Islam to me is, is a medicine, right? It is a shifa. And we have been given it spoon fed from like when we were infants. And, you know, sometimes as you get older, you may think, you know, yourself invincible and like, oh, I'm perfectly in good health now. You see teenagers and young adults, they don't think they need vitamins. They don't think they need to do a lot. They can eat whatever they want because they don't realize that, you know what, you're still, your your health is going to catch up to you one day, right? So the same for our spiritual nourishment. As Muslims, we have to appreciate that we are sick. Like I, I use the analogy that this life is, a, is like a hospital, you know, and we're all patients. 
And we all have various different diseases and sicknesses, but Islam is the medicine and every one of us needs it. It's the panacea. It's the cure all for everything. Whatever you have, some people are more advanced in their in their diseases. Other people have been taking their medicine and they're doing pretty well, right? But everybody has to take the medicine, no matter what. Nobody's can cannot take the medicine. And so that's what waking up is, is saying, I have been, my God, not only do I have access to the medicine, right? Like we actually look at us here in the West. We have every type of access, right? We can pick up the Quran and and read it in whatever language we want or not even pick it up we can go online and get it within seconds um, everything is facilitated for us so we, there's really no excuse it's just a matter of us literally putting the spoon in our mouth that's it that's how easy it is to pray to just become more connected as a Muslim it's just will it's literally will and if you don't have the will to, to, to save your soul question that like why don't I want to save my own soul when Allah has made it so easy and he it, there's many hadith where it is Allah literally made this thing easy for us. It's our own selves that get in the way. And this is why it's so important to be aware of the nafs and how the nafs works against us. Because the nafs is the ego, right? And the ego is within us. And so we think that it's our ally, but it's not. It actually, according to many of our scholars, is worse than Iblis. Because Iblis is external and he inspires. But the, the nafs is within you and it pushes you and nudges you towards disobedience, right? Right? And so you have to know how to master the nafs. And that's what I was saying at the beginning is that in order to do that effectively, when you are aware of yourself and you know your own weaknesses, you have to know I'm like that swimmer. You know, I just I've lost the will. I don't have the will. I need support. I need help. And that's OK, because we're all swimming. We're all in that journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we have to look out for each other. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's so important to, to realize that, that that all of us are in the same boat and we need to just appreciate that these the, the guidance that we've been given as Muslims, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all of us are again on different trajectories, but if we have if we know about Islam and we know Allah and we know these things and we're not doing them, it's the analogy of the same analogy I said. It's as if you're not taking the medicine when it's already given to you. Allah subhanAllah. That and analogy. Wow. Like it really opened up my eyes. That's exactly what it is. I, I honestly, it does feel like this dunya is almost like a hospital. And yeah, we all have our own diseases. We're all fighting something within us. Um, and sometimes, yes, it's external, but it's mostly within us. What are we fighting? SubhanAllah, that is such a beautiful analogy. Thank you so much for, for sharing it. And I think it's also like important to even remember like the fact that like, you know, in the beginning of our conversation, when I said you're seeking repentance, you're seeking Allah's repentance, but you know, you're going to sin again. But it's Allah's also giving you another day to right your wrongs, even though he knows you're going to sin again. So it's just this is how merciful our creator is but it also kind of goes back to us. What are you doing in return in, in regards to your journey to to Allah to our creator to, to decrease this distance between you and your creator. You know you can't always just you know say Allah fix me and that's it and you think that you're going to go about the dunya and living your life as you are. No. There are things that we also have to do. Um, things that we have to remind ourselves of and we have to continuously be God conscious and I honestly love this conversation. I always love my conversations with you Sister Hussain. Mashallah. I, I just just really want to thank you so much for taking the time out to always extend yourself as a resource to our community for always just shedding light on our beautiful faith for always just having this comfortable and safe and welcoming space for us to just be open with our shortcomings and I think it's really important Allah never he never guided us to be perfect there's no such thing he initially created us imperfect so it's not something he ever asked us to be when we do come to him so I think that's also a beautiful reminder and I think within your rooms and within the conversations I have with you I always feel like I can come as I um, so I really, really want to thank you. I would love for you to share any future projects you're working on or even your social media handles or anything um, in regards to your lectures where people can find you. And of course, as always, I always try to tag these um, in the episode notes. And I really want to tell people, please follow Sister Hasai whenever right now she's going to give her, her handles. But I think I've just learned so much from your content and again, from the lectures that you do host. Thank you again, Dunya. Mashallah, you all always have so many insights. I learned from you. I know you think this is a one-way conversation. <laughs> not. Well, I, you're so insightful and you always have amazing gems that you share as well, whether it's here on the podcast, I've heard you share many reflections or on Clubhouse. So, so I've also benefited tremendously from you. I just wanted to quickly say one thing that you, when you yeah, said that, I feel like um, you know, holding ourselves accountable. What's interesting about human beings is that when we are talking to other humans and there are certain um, ideas that we want to, you know, reveal about ourselves or just, you know, we want them, uh, impressions that we want to make, right? For example, no, everybody wants to be seen as 
as being uh, thoughtful, as being, uh, you know, sincere, as being grateful. We, we want people to think of those, uh, th- you know, uh, us as those things. But the true measure of whether or not we truly are those things is our relationship with Allah, because he's our creator, right? The human being, right, like that, wh- whether it's our mom, our, our dad, our sisters, our brothers, our friends, whoever it is, in those human transactions, by uh, we get some benefit, right, from having the, the, those uh, labels or those those ideas kind of floating around about us. We benefit from that, right? But when it's uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's the one who created us, and we might not necessarily feel some, you know, response right away, right? But the true measure of whether or not you're sincere is, are you grateful to your Lord for creating you? Because anybody could say that, that you're such a, you know, generous person, you're such a grateful person. But again, your true, uh, you know, the truth of that statement is proven if you're grateful to the one who doesn't necessarily respond in, in, and say something to you right away to give you instant feedback. But, he, you know, that's that, that. So that's why, you know, I think it's so important for us to reflect on, on holding ourselves accountable according to our relationship with him, not our, on our relationship with people, because people will just say things, whether or not it's true or not, Allah knows, right? But your true value or your true virtues are known with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I hope that made sense, but I just... Oh, no, it does, because subhanAllah, like, it reminded me, Allah sees us in our entirety, behind closed doors, how we interact with other people, how we interact with him. But people only can see certain aspects of us, of what we are willing to show people. So yes, you can be generous and to someone and a horrible being to somebody else. So it's truly Allah that knows our entire. Thank you for bringing up that point, mashallah. Thank you. I just wanted to mention that. So I, but as far as I'm sorry, my handles and all of the other stuff. Thank you again for giving me the opportunity to share. I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's my first name with the last uh, four uh, letters, Mojo. It's not the way that I spell my last name, but it's just an easy way. Hosai Mojo on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, but I'm not very active on Twitter. And then on Clubhouse as well. I have my full name. So uh, people are more than welcome to uh, engage with me on any platform alhamdulillah again I just thank you so much for the opportunity to to be with you and to speak with you inshallah and I pray that the rest of your Ramadan goes well and that Allah subhanahu accepts all of your fasts and your prayers inshallah thank you so much sister Hasai honestly thank you so much inshallah ya Rabbi. likewise every dua that you have made on my behalf inshallah Allah also multiplies it for you but I highly recommend that people do follow you on Clubhouse because it's, it's such a beautiful and intimate way to interact with one another and to, to listen to your reflections as well and I think during Ramadan and again, like, you know, some of us, our messages are, messages are still not open. Um, so these are beautiful ways to still feel connected during this month. So I honestly know people will definitely benefit from your rooms and, you know, everybody else that you're also on stage with. And mashallah, we have so many incredible teachers within our community, but I, I really, really want to thank you. And again, I know you want to say that I have all these insights, but it's honestly all these insights. I learned them from you. I just really want to give it back right at you and just thank you once more for everything that you've taught me. And thank you for just always being a resource. And thank you for always just being honestly one call away subhanallah you're always there so I, I just really really want to thank you just for being there for me and I really hope that people do benefit from this conversation so thank you once more thank you again Dunia, mashallah. I, I look forward to more conversations with you and I did quickly forget to mention that the club that I'm on on Clubhouse is called Mizan it's called uh, Islam and EI which is short for emotional intelligence so people can follow the club and inshallah that, that way they'll get notifications about rooms I hope and I, I look forward to seeing you because I want more conversations with you and I want you to come up on stage in any of my rooms anytime to do the same to just uh, interview you and ask you questions because like I said you always have profound insights so barakallahu fiki thank you sister Hasai. inshallah you have a successful Ramadan and like you said inshallah we can connect in the future inshallah. thank you so much my dear